I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5, we'll be looking at verses 19 this morning, or verse 19. Deuteronomy 5, verse 19. If you don't have a Bible, you can grab one of the Pew Bibles there and turn to page 141 in the Pew Bible. It's page 141 in the Pew Bible. And if you don't have a, a Bible of your own, then please take that Pew Bible, and that's our gift to you. We want everybody to have a copy of God's Word, so please take that and use that. But before we get into this, I do want to go to the Lord in prayer. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. Lord, you have given this to us through godly men, through men of your choosing, the prophets and the apostles. Lord, you have given this to us through them, but Lord, these are your words, and they come with your full authority behind them. We thank you for your word, Lord, because it reveals you. It reveals who you are what you are like we would not know you without your word and it reveals to us your salvation in jesus christ so lord we thank you for your word and how it teaches us lord it also teaches us about you so that we as your people might conform to your image and your likeness so lord today open our hearts Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts willing to obey as we read about this eighth commandment. Lord, show us how it applies to us, how we are to live because of your word. These things I pray in Christ's name, amen. As we think about the fourth amendment, let's go think about American history here for a moment and Just think about the the Fourth Amendment of the Bill of Rights. That Fourth Amendment recognizes the importance of protecting personal property, right? It it understands that we as a people, we have a right to own personal property and to have that protected. It states the right of the people to be secured in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no, and no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath and affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. And so the Bill of Rights recognizes that we have a right to own things, right, to have personal property, And to have that property protected against unlawful search and seizure, right? For the government can't even come and take it from us without probable cause. And that goes with individuals as well. We, We have a right to guard and protect our personal property. The Bill of Rights understands this and recognizes this right as a fundamental right to own and protect personal property. But long before the U.S. Bill of Rights was ever written, God's Word established the fundamental right of a person 
to own and protect private property. And we see that in the Old Testament Bill of Rights, as we've observed that about the Ten Commandments, right? The Ten Commandments are kind of a Bill of Rights in the old, under the Old Covenant. And, and we see that recognized, this idea of having personal property, protecting and owning personal property, it is protected under the Eighth Commandment. The Eighth Commandment, you shall not steal. And here we see that respecting personal property is connected to respecting human dignity. Respecting personal property is connected to human dignity. Now, let me remind you about what we've seen thus far as we've been going through the Ten Commandments. You remember the first half of the commandments deal with our relationship to God, how we relate to God. And so it primarily has to do with, with God's rights. So, first of all, you have the first commandment, have no other gods before me, has to do with God's authority. We'll have no other authority over God. No carved images has to do with God's dignity. We'll not uh, uh, have a carved image that uh, is supposed to represent God, that belittles him and blasphemes him. The third commandment, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That has to do with our commitment to God, to revere Him and hold Him as holy. The fourth commandment, keep the Sabbath day. That has to do with God's rights and privileges. That's, that's the, the main one, right? God has a right to have a day set aside in our work week. He has a, a, a right to have a day set aside to worship Him to gather with the saints and worship God. There are other rights and privileges that God has, and we'll see those later on, but uh, it's at least that, right? God has a right to a day. The second half of the commandments, uh, they kind of reflect the first half, but they deal with our relationship with one another. Honor father and mother has to do with human authority and obeying and honoring human authorities that God has set over us, starting with the most essential, the home. The home government is the, the basic government. That's where we start, and so we honor father and mother. Commandments 6, 7, and 8, all three of these commandments have, have to deal with human dignity. Human dignity. You shall not murder that has to do with human dignity and respecting human life. You shall not commit adultery. It has to do with human dignity and respecting human purity. Purity. We saw that last week. And then this week we move on to you shall not steal. You shall not steal. And this has to do with human dignity and property. Human dignity and property. And not stealing, you understand, is a dignity issue. Not stealing is a dignity issue. If someone breaks into your home or, or your car and, and steals from you, you feel violated, right? It, because they have intruded your space. They've intruded your property. They have come in uninvited and they've taken something away from you and you feel violated because of that. 
And there's reason by stealing your property. They, they count you as unworthy of owning that property. They not only rob you of your property, but they rob you of your dignity as well. So the principle that we need to learn today is this, respect human dignity by respecting personal property. We need to respect human dignity by respecting human uh, personal property. Now, as we consider this principle today, I want to point out for us two dimensions of the Eighth Commandment. Two dimensions of the Eighth Commandment. First of all, I want to see what this commandment prohibits. But then I also want to consider what this commandment requires. What it prohibits, that's the negative side of it. And then the positive side, what it requires. What it requires for us to do. So it's not just about not doing things, but it's also about doing other things. So as we look at this then, what does this commandment prohibit? You shall not steal. What does that prohibit? Now, to steal means to illegitimately appropriate another's personal property, right? It means to Ill- illegitimately, illegitimately appropriate another person's property. That's the kind of definition. So what then is prohibitive? Well, as we look through Scripture and begin to scan different verses throughout the Bible, we see this explained for us more fully. First of all, it has to do with man theft. Man theft. In, in fact, there are a few commentators out there that I've read this week that they think that's primarily the focus of thou shalt not steal. It, it has to do with man theft. I, I disagree with that. I think that's included, uh, but that's not the only issue. But it, it does definitely cover that. Man theft. Your greatest possession is yourself. And so if someone steals you away, then that is stealing. That is stealing your life away. Man theft. Exodus chapter 21 verse 16 says, Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. So this was a severe crime, a capital offense in the Old Testament to steal a person, to take them away from their home by force and put them into some other situation that is uh, obviously prohibited under this law. Now, of course, as we think about that today, what does that have to, what covers under that? Man theft, of course, is kidnapping. Kidnapping obviously would be man theft. Also hijacking, so the terrorists who hijack planes and buildings and such as that, that would be an offense against this commandment. And of course, forced enslavement, forced enslavement. Now we think about slavery and, and people when they, a lot of people when they read the Bible, this is one of the major issues that a lot of people, secular people, non-Christians have with, with Scripture because they go to the Old Testament And they read all of these passages about regulating slavery. And and they say, oh, the Bible condones slavery. And and so that's an evil. And so the Bible's evil. But the problem is that we're taking those verses out of context. We're not understanding the context that those, those verses, those passages that regulate slavery, 
we, we take them out of context and we don't understand because as, as we come to them here in the 21st century, as we come to them as Americans, our reflection of slavery or our thought of slavery goes back to the Civil War era and prior to the Civil War era. We think of American slavery. American slavery was this kind of slavery where, where men and women were taken from their homes, right? They were forced from their homes, often by their own countrymen in Africa. They were forced from their home, and they were stolen and brought to America and sold into slavery. Well, that's the kind of slavery that God condemns. That is the very kind of slavery that is condemned by Scripture, robbing someone of their life, taking them out of their home by force, and putting them into forced labor. Now what we see in the Scripture being condoned, being regulated, is more like an indentured servant. So someone comes along hard times, they didn't have insurance, they didn't have crop insurance, and so uh, things like that and so when people would come on hard times and, and they, they they were on the brink of bankruptcy right they were they were unable to provide for their family what they would do is they would sell themselves into slavery into servant service to one of their neighbors and so there was a neighbor and, and he had a good crop but your crop failed and and you were struggling to feed your family what would you do well you'd go over here to your neighbor and say hey if you'll help me out all right you, you give me some money and i'll come work for you and, and then you know i can get out of this this trouble that i'm in and, and so it was that indentured kind of servant that the bible regulates not man stealing man stealing is condemned in scripture you weren't to to force someone away from their home steal them away from their homeland and force them into slavery so forced enslavement is condemned by scripture now we see this and, and we think today we think well well those days are gone right the civil war solved that problem and so we don't have to worry about man theft anymore. But that's just, true. that's just not true. It's absolutely not true. In fact, when you start looking at it, when you start digging into human trafficking, you find out that slavery is alive and well even here in America. Even here. Slavery is still alive and well. It's still thriving. Human trafficking is the practice of exploiting adults and children for use as commodities or objects and conditions of sexual and labor servitude. Sexual and labor servitude. So uh, bringing them into work fields, to work as servants, to work in factories, forcing them to do labor at lower wages sometimes not even giving them wages that's slavery or selling them into the sex slave that is slavery and statistics show that 24.9 million people are victims of forced labor 24.9 million people are being 
enslaved today. 4.8 million are trafficked for forced sexual exploitation. 4.8 million are sold into sex slavery. Of those, 4.8 million, 3.8 million of those are adults. But get this, 1 million of those are children. 1 million children sold into sex slavery. So yes, this is still a problem. It is a big problem, even here in America. And as Christians, we need to be out there fighting against this. We need to take action against this. We need to, to, to speak up for those who are being trafficked. We, we need to, to help build programs to, to end this thing, right? We, we need to find ways to end slavery. Uh, that's part of the big problem that I have with immigration and the, the, the confusion with immigration nowadays. Because a lot of the people who are brought in America today, they are being sold as slaves. They're there in their countries, and somebody comes to them and they say, oh, we'll get you in America, we'll get you in America, and they bring them in here. And they say, all right, now you've got to work for us until you pay off your debt. And they, they put them to work in some factory or out on some farm or somewhere else or on the streets, making them work for $2 an hour, some pathetic wages, trying to pay back tens of thousands of dollars, and they never escape. They think they're coming to the land of freedom, but they're coming to a life of slavery. And we need, to, we need to, to do things. We need to be advocates for those people. Trying to get our politicians to make actually stricter <laughs> immigration laws. To keep some of these people from, from bringing people in so easily. And putting them into, selling them into slavery. So there's man theft. Man theft is, is obviously prohibited under this Eighth Commandment. Second, there's criminal theft. There's criminal theft. Criminal theft is, is what we typically think of when we read the Eighth Commandment. When we see you shall not steal, we, we think of criminal theft most often. Criminal theft is taking away a person's property without their consent. And it can be done either in secret are by force in secret or by force so in secret we might think of burglary someone breaks into your house while you're gone or even while you're sleeping and you're you don't know it but they break in and they steal from you that's burglary and, and that's taking your property without consent on the fourth side of course would be armed robbery one goes to the bank and they they rob the bank with a gun and that's armed robbery or they break into your house and and they're armed and they force you to give up your property that is criminal theft but what about this one how about shoplifting shoplifting going into this convenience store and and oh well they'll never notice this stick in my pocket i mean this is a big thing right this is a big problem I was, I was at Walmart here the other day, and I was looking for an oil filter. 
And so I went back there. I couldn't find the oil filter I need. The, the, the spot was there, but it was empty. So I went and I asked a lady, I said, I'm looking for this oil filter. And she looked up on her inventory list. Oh, we're supposed to have two of them. They weren't there. I said, well, I guess somebody stole those. She said, I guess somebody stole those. I mean, it was no big deal. She was used to that. That's just a common thing there at Walmart. They, they expect that. They expect shoplifting. But shoplifting it is an offense against the Eighth Commandment, having those sticky hands. Oh, but what about this? How about borrowing something without returning it? Borrowing something without returning it. I, one of my college professors, uh, he used to stamp in all of his books, right? He had a, a big, nice, big library. And uh, he would stamp in, in the front, on the fir first couple pages of all of his books, he would stamp Psalm 37, 21. Psalm 37, 21. And if any of his students ever wanted to come borrow a book, maybe you had a research paper or something coming up and you couldn't find a book you needed, you asked him, said, oh, yeah, this book will work. Before you could borrow that book, you had to open up that first little page there and read Psalm 37, 21 to him. Psalm 37, 21 says, The wicked borrows but does not pay back. He would ask, do you understand that? All right, you can borrow the book, right? But because a lot of times people will borrow things and never return them. They just say, oh, it's just a simple book. It's just, a, you know, it's, it's no big deal. But it is, a, it is a big deal from the person you borrowed it from because now they're going to have to go buy another one, right? And, and so borrowing things and not returning them, that is prohibited under the Eighth Commandment. When we do that, we are stealing. We are taking property from someone else. And they've not given consent to keep it. Right? They just loaned it to us. So we need to return those things. If we borrow something from someone, return it. So there's man theft and there's criminal theft. And then there, of course, is fraudulent theft. Fraudulent theft. Theft through scheming, hook and crook. We see here a few different categories, and I'm just going to list, I think, three of them I have here. Three of them that we'll, we'll consider. There's more than these, but these three will kind of get the idea across very well. First of all, there's unethical business practices. Unethical business practices. This would fall under fraudulent theft. Proverbs 20, verse 10 says, Unequal weights and unequal measures are both alike an abomination to the Lord. An abomination to the Lord. So, uh, so you, you, have, you go in and, and, and you kind of make this deal, right? You're dealing with someone, you're selling a product, you're selling a service, and you promise all of these things, but then you don't deliver on those promises. Right, you fall short of what you promised, but but the price tag doesn't fall short, right? The price tag remains the same, but but you have not done the work that you promised, or you're not delivering the service or the product that you promised. That is fraudulence, and that is an abomination before the Lord. Unfair wages. James chapter five, verse four says, Behold, the wages of the laborers are who mow your fields, which you kept back by fraud. 
are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvester have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. So imagine this. You hire someone to come and mow your yard. Right? Their, their, their job is to mow your yard, maybe weed your, your flower beds, whatever, and you've agreed on, all right, I'll pay you such and such a price. And you, the, the young man, he comes and he does that. He, he mows your yard, he weeds your flower beds, but, but back there in the corner, he missed a spot. He missed a spot back there. So instead, of, when he comes for his payment, instead of paying him what you agreed on, you say, oh, no, you missed a spot, so I'm not going to pay you. Or I'm only going to pay you half because you missed that little spot back there. See, that's withholding wages. That's withholding wages. You agreed on a price. And instead of coming through with that price, you've done something else. You, you, you went back on your word. A worker is worth his wages. Timothy, 1 Timothy 5.18, for the Scripture says you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain and the laborer deserves his wages a person does his work he needs his wages and we're to pay those you know i've i found it interesting in the last few years just to find out that that sometimes churches can be the worst at this not this church we pay our bills but I found, I've discovered, you know, dealing with contractors and things, just talking to them, sometimes churches can be the worst at paying their bills. They think it's almost owed to them. Oh, you're going to charge our church? Well, yeah, if they did the work, they need to get paid. The worker is worth his wages. And so if someone does a job for you and you have agreed on this will be what we're going to pay, then pay the wages. Be honorable. Otherwise, you have, pro you have broken the Eighth Commandment. You have stole from that person because you have not followed through. They followed through, but you haven't. So, unfair wages. Taking advantage of the vulnerable is another. Taking advantage of a vulnerable. Exodus chapter 22, verse 25 says, if you, if you lend money to any of my people with you who is poor, you shall not be like a money lender to him, and you shall not extract interest from him. Now, understand, because some people misunderstand this verse, the Bible does not object to interest in general. Even the Old Testament, it does not object to interest in general, but what it objects to is excessive interest, especially when it is extracted from the most vulnerable. When you're taking advantage of people through interest rates. Well, think about this, Jesus rebuked the slothful servant for not at least investing his master's money and at least drawing some interest. And so Jesus didn't object to interest in general. Matthew 25, 27, Then you ought to have invested my money with a banker, and at my coming I should have received what was mine, my own, with interest. So it's not objecting to interest, but what it's objecting to is taking advantage of people. Finding people in a vulnerable posi position and taking that opportunity to, to capitalize on their vulnerability 
and taking from them more than you ought to take. Taking it, when we think about this, of course, come, one thing that comes to mind is taking advantage of the elderly. Taking advantage of the elderly, we see this all the time. Shysters preying on the elderly, trying to steal their, their livelihood from them through evil schemes. They take every, every opportunity to leave them destitute. Such, such scheming is condemned under this commandment, and those who do such a thing, they will stand before God. I guarantee you, they will stand before God and they will give an account for their scheming. They may take advantage now, but that, that won't last. God will, God will bring justice upon them. Taking advantage of the elderly, but also taking advantage of the poor in general. You know, this is one of the, the biggest problems that I have with gambling and the lottery. Gambling and the lottery, both of those, I mean, group them into one thing because it's all the same thing. All of that is to take advantage of the poor. It is a tax upon the poor. Casinos and lotteries alike, they appropriate the property of, of the poor by selling them a false hope of getting out of poverty and striking it rich. That's all it's about. And I'm sorry, you think, oh, well, it's no big deal. I'm just going to buy a lottery ticket. It's no big deal. It's fine. But you're driving the machine. Yeah, it's fine for you if you can afford it. It's fine for you if, yeah, you got some money to throw away and you can buy that lottery ticket and you're not left in destitute. But it drives the machine that takes advantage of the poor and most vulnerable. Because they had this grand hope. Oh, if I just get the right numbers. If I just get the right numbers, I can get out of this. And how many of you have stood behind people in the gas station and you know they can't afford it, but they're spending 20s, hundreds, $200 on ticket, lottery tickets while their kids are going hungry? All because they had this false hope that they're going to strike it rich. And the people there in government who are, who are just driving this machine, they're thinking, oh, look how good it is. Look at how great of a benefit it is for our state. Look at what we can afford because of the, the lottery. And they're stealing money from the most vulnerable of our population. According to Forbes magazine, the odds of winning the Powerball lottery is 1 in 292 million. 1 in 292 million. Those are not very good odds. The odds of winning the Mega Millions jackpot, I don't know what any of these jackpots are I, I have not a clue i just looked up this article but the the odds of winning the mega millions jackpot is one in 302.6 million that same article reports even if you buy 
two tickets, doubling your odds of winning, your odds of winning are still extremely low. Mathematicians refer to an arbitrarily small quantity as epsilon, just as infinity is an arbitrarily large number. Epsilon is as close to zero as you can get without reaching zero. Twice epsilon is still epsilon. It is not uncommon for mathematicians to refer to the odds of winning a jackpot as epsilon. You are more likely to get struck by lightning or to die in a car crash than you are of winning the lottery. And people are the poor and the most desolate in our society are pouring out hundreds of dollars hoping that they'll make it big. They've bought that false hope that our culture has sold them. Taking advantage of people Getting ahead by hook or crook is fraudulent theft. It is fraudulent theft and it is prohibited under the Eighth Commandment. And how about this one? How about God theft? Now, I'm not talking about stealing God, of course, but stealing from God. And I realize, and I've already talked about, you know, the, the first part the first four commandments that has to do with our relationship to God and and the the second half of the commandments has to do with our relationship with one another I understand that but I, I can't pass this by without mentioning this right because because this is included this is certainly included under the eighth commandment Malachi chapter 3 verses 8 through 10 and many of you are familiar with this verse will man rob God Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe. The full 10% of your general income. Your gross income. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Oh, we can rob God by not giving back to him, right? It's all his. It's all his. It all belongs to him. He just gives it to us. He gives us our little share to steward for Him. And when we say, well, thank you, God, but we're not going to give anything back to you, we're not going to give even the tithe back to you, then we're robbing God. We're stealing from Him. And certainly that is prohibited under the Eighth Commandment. Let us not rob God, but let us be faithful to give as God has called us to give to His church. So man theft, criminal theft, fraudulent theft, and God theft are all prohibited under the Eighth Commandment. Now that's the negative side of the Eighth Commandment. Eighth commandment. What is prohibited? Now 
let's think about the positive side of the commandment because it has more to do, it has more to do uh, than not to do right we have something to do here there's what we're not to do now let's think about what we are to do so what is required what is required and i've just got two of these but first of all the first thing that is required is contentment contentment be content why do people steal from others because they're not content they're not content with what god has given with what god has blessed them with as one commentator notes at a fundamental level theft manifests dissatisfaction with what god has provided the person who steals tries to gain more than god has given to him by taking it from others now, that's not to say that there's anything wrong with wanting to advance in your career, to wanting to, to improve your situation and, and life through legitimate means, right? If we, we go out and we work hard, we study, we work hard, we, we make investments, we do these things, then and we, we're trying legitimate means, right? We're, we're trying to do things God's way, and God blesses us in that he can improve our station in life, right? He can, he can give us more. He may provide more for us. And praise God for that. Praise God for that. And we can be content in what He gives us and what He continues to give us. But when we come, become discontent, we start looking for illegitimate ways to improve our situation. We start looking for illegitimate ways to get ahead taking advantage of others so that we can advance ourselves so we need to be content we need to be content with what god has provided in luke chapter 3 verse 14 the soldiers the roman soldiers asked john the baptist what they were to do in order to repent and pursue the kingdom of God. And John said to them, Do not exhort, extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusations, and be content with your wages. Be content with your wages. Be content. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6-8, through 8, Paul tells Timothy, But godliness with contentment, godliness with contentment, is great gain for we brought nothing into the world and we take nothing and we take we cannot take anything out of the world but if we have food and clothing with these we will be content we'll be content if god gives us more than that great praise the lord but if we've got those things if we've got the necessities of life and we ought to be content we ought to be content. We ought to thank God for His wonderful blessings. A surefire way to avoid breaking the Eighth Commandment is to be content with whatever the Lord has provided you. You'll never, ever have all you want. You'll never have all you want. Because want has no end. 
Want has no end. You can ask the richest dude in the world, and he can tell you some things that he wants, because want has no end. But do you have what you need? Do you have what you need? If you have what you need, then be content. This ought to be our prayer. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 through 9. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Lord, give me enough. Give me enough. So be content with what you have. Second, the second requirement is generosity. Generosity. Be generous. And I love this. John Calvin observed uh, that on this commandment, he says, if we merely refrain from all evil doing, we are far from satisfying God who has bound men mutually together so that they may strive to help one another to get ahead by counseling and assisting one another. Let me read that little phrase again. If we merely refrain from all evil doing, we are far from satisfying God who has bound men and women mutually together so that they may strive to help one another to get ahead by counseling and assisting one another. There is not the slightest doubt that God commands generosity and kindness and the other duties which give warmth to human society. Therefore, if we are not to be condemned as thieves by God, we must seek our brother's advantage, no less than our own psalm 37 21 says the wicked borrows but does not pay back but the second part of that verse but the righteous is generous and gives the righteous is generous and gives proverbs 19 17 whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he, the Lord, will repay him for his deed. And of course, Ephesians 4.28, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work, doing honest work with his own hands, so that, here's the reason, not that he can get ahead, but so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Well, one of the, the biggest reasons we ought to strive to get ahead is so that we can help other folks get ahead. Help other folks out along the way. So the positive requirement of the Eighth Commandment, you shall not steal, is to be content with what the Lord has provided and be generous to others, helping your neighbor to get ahead in life, to advance their station in life. Jesus tells us 
in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Do you need to focus more on heaven? Do, do the cares and the concerns of this world often pull you away from looking to the Lord? Invest in heaven. Invest in heaven. Put your money, put your treasure in heaven by being content, by being generous with what God has given you. Invest in heaven and your heart will be drawn to heaven. Oh, how we need to be generous. Giving even as God has given unto us so that we make that investment in eternity rather in the trinkets of this world. Wherever you invest your treasure, that's where your heart's going to be. Where's your heart today? Where's your heart today? Is it invested here? Or is it invested in glory? Respect human dignity by respecting personal property. As we think about this eighth commandment, its pro prohibitions and requirements, when we take them together, we soon realize, I'm sure all of us have realized at one point in time in our life, we are guilty of breaking this commandment. By not being content, by not being generous, maybe even by cheating someone out of something so that we can get ahead, or even borrowing something from someone and not returning it, we, we realize that we are guilty before God. but even knowing that we are guilty before the Lord. We can have that assurance today, right? The good news is God's generosity. God is generous above, beyond measure. He gave His Son, His only Son, on Calvary's cross to take the penalty for our deceit to take the penalty for our discontentment to take the penalty for our non-generosity to take the penalty for our selfishness so that if we trust in Jesus and surrender our lives to him we can be forgiven and gain advantage and gain eternal life in Christ. Oh, if you've realized today that you are guilty of offending God, whether it be by the Eighth Commandment or any of the others, 
you can find salvation in Jesus Christ. He took your condemnation for you. Now trust in him. And he'll wipe that slate clean. And he will give you the ability to live obedience. Will you trust him today? Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, oh Lord. We thank you for this commandment. And Lord, let us not just take it as at, at face value and, and de define it however we may so that we are not offended by it. But Lord, reveal it to us more and more. We've just scratched the surface today. Reveal to us more and more how we offend you by breaking this, even this commandment. And Lord, give us strength and power to overcome that and live for your glory. And Lord, for those who have never trusted in Jesus, they are living under the condemnation of your law because they have broken it at every level in one way or the other. Lord, I pray that today you would turn their eyes to see Jesus. Let them trust in Christ and find forgiveness. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.